0: Hey everybody, welcome to the afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know, when I was five years old, I was convinced that Darth Vader lived in my closet. It wasn't a matter of if Darth Vader lived in my closet. It it that that was true, that was a fact. I could practically hear him breathing and see the red glow outline of his lightsaber. And I was convinced if I somehow were to leave the door of my closet open, the sliding doors. The wood-paneled sliding doors of my closet, if I were to leave those open, Darth Vader would enter through some portal and stab me to death in my sleep. I was convinced of it. I was convinced. So that's why I could never go to sleep unless my closet doors were shut. Also, I had to leave my bedroom door open and the nightlight on in the hallway. And often I would ask our dog, our family dog, Prescott, to come and sit in the in the doorway of my bed to protect me. Because uh, I knew that if Darth Vader showed up, at the very least, Prescott would you know, make some noise, try to bite his foot off something. I don't know. That was how I felt safe. And you know, that went with me for a long time. I would say in general, uh, all through my adolescence, I was kind of a fearful kid. I was skittish. I was uh, afraid, Uh, a little bit more anxious than other people. Perhaps it was because of my wild exotic imagination, or perhaps it was just disposition. But the bottom line is, I think fear is something all of us have dealt with. And anxiety and fear it seems to me like has skyrocketed in recent years. Um, I don't know if it's the pandemic. I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a cultural anthropologist. I don't know why, but it just seems to me that fear and anxiety, and and not even a particular fear, a generalized dread or fear or anxiety has really risen in our society. And I've seen all sorts of studies that say this in our teens. Um, I know that I've seen it in the high schoolers that I've been around, that there's a general sense of fear And that's what this passage that we're going to be looking at today is about. It's about fear. It's a story in Matthew 8 where Jesus and his disciples get in a boat, get on a boat in the Sea of Galilee and are crossing the Sea of Galilee when a terribly huge storm comes up. And the men, the disciples who are with Jesus, are filled with terror. It's not so much about the storm. It's about the effect of the storm on the disciples. And they are filled with terror. And Jesus, his response to them and his invitation to them is really not just instructive, but illuminating because it shows us exactly how to respond to fear. So I'm here with two friends to talk about this. Karina Gerard and Lisa Averill are two campus pastors at our South Hills and Saratoga campuses, respectively. They're here to talk about what to do with fear. And again, I think fear is something we all have to deal with. I was just looking the other day about the top ten fears of Americans uh that as reported by counselors and again I don't know if this is different per region or if there's different parts of the world where the fears are different but here were the top 10 fears that people went to counseling for there was aerophobia which is fear of flying I don't know if you're afraid of flying I'm afraid of southwest losing my bags um I don't know if that counts there's acrophobia fear of heights uh claustrophobia of course fear of enclosed spaces Vehophobia is a new one fear of driving or getting in an accident uh, I think especially in the Bay Area where there's a lot of highway driving at, at high speeds. There's arachnophobia, the fear of terrible 80s movies starring John Goodman. No, I'm kidding. It's a fear of spiders. Um, and that one makes sense because spiders, I think, are mini-Satans. They're spawn of Satan. I think they're tiny, tiny Satans with eight legs. And so that makes sense. There's nosophobia, the fear of developing a disease, um, that something's wrong with you. And then thanatophobia, which is the fear of death. Uh, uh, Thanos phobia, which is a fear of Marvel movies. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's not one of them. A which is the fear of failure, especially public failure in front of other people. Uh, that's a huge one, I think. Um, and then, of course, the number one is social phobia, fear of social interactions going poorly, being rejected, uh, not being liked, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Those are kind of specific phobias, but I think in general, maybe it's not even something that specific. Maybe it's just a generalized dread or fear. Maybe you've not even been able to put your finger on it, but I do think that the fear quotient, the anxiety quotient in our society has somehow ratcheted up. So we're here to talk about that and what Jesus's invitation is. Karina and Lisa are here with us. They're going to talk through this passage and what Jesus is inviting us to, and I think it's both convicting and comforting at the same time. So with that, Let's just dive right in.
1: John, to the
2: love of his life. And what's the name of that song, Karina? (laughs) Let's
1: get it on. Oh,
0: no. (laughs) You know what there are so many young people who don't even understand what like a radio request line oh, no. even oh is. Isn't that crazy? Like they don't Del- understand. Like Do you remember Delilah? It was a huge thing when I was She's growing up. She's still on. No.
1: Oh yes, I've listened to her recently.
0: Or like Casey's Top 40 with the oh, like yeah. long distance yes. dedications.
2: Oh, or wasn't gosh. it Top 100? Or, no, I remember ca- listening to it. It was Casey's Top 40.
0: Night. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well it was because it would Maybe take it forever. Felt like 100. No, it was just 40.
1: <laughs> I remember sitting beside the radio, like with my boom box and I had a, a cassette, and I couldn't afford. I was so poor, mm-hmm. I couldn't afford blank cassettes. So I'd take cassettes and I'd stuff paper into the holes, which made them recordable. Oh, interesting! Like, look at you. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'd, yeah, like, you could do that
0: with tape I'm too. I'm just
1: gonna confess now. I would like <laughs> steal cassettes from other people and then record over recordable. them. So I'd sit beside the radio station till they played my favorite song, and then you record, and then it. I'd record. But you'd always miss, miss like, the, the first, first second. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I did that, too. And then that was, like, the best way to, like, show your your love for another was, like, to create a mixtape a mix mm. for them. Yes, all these songs true. made your me favorite. think of you. Okay. What are your top three songs on your mixtape to your lover?
0: Oh, well, first oh, of your all. crush. You your just crush. used the word lover, and that made me <laughs> really uncomfortable. So you're talking, Nicole. like, Nicole. I'm in junior high mm. and I or high school, yes, and I need to tell a girl I have a crush on yes. you. Yes.
1: What are your top three or, songs? And you need to tell a boy. On, but you're it has to be at that time era. So songs from that sure. era, not modern songs. Songs from that era. That's an awesome your top question. three songs.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure I made a mixtape, and I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, that I used "I Need Love" by LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> when i'm alone in my room sometimes i stare at the wall and in the back of my mind i hear my conscience call telling me i need a girl who's as sweet as a dove for the first time in my life i see i need love yeah. uh which is not yeah. really it's weird and uh, i don't know uh i don't did you did you ever make a, a mixtape i'm trying to think I, I i don't think i discovered that until much later in high school
2: Mark made a date no, for yes. myself and my roommate he and his roommate to ask us out on a date and, and I'm ooh, trying what do you remember to a song oh yeah 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 the, it was like a mission it wasn't a mission impossible song but it was what? some kind of thing like that mission
0: impossible
2: yeah and you know what else they did at the end of chapel
0: like dun 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 yeah, you, dun, 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 dun like something like that did he think that dating you would be a mission impossible probably i oh, don't know no, not mean, impossible but it would of be too. a mission <laughs> <For sure.
2: laughs> <laughs> but at the end of um, like, so we had to put the tape in our tape and listen to it, and then there were clues for things. Oh, and clues at, this for is a what? It's kind, kind of like kind a scavenger of, hand. Oh, wow. So at the this end, is involved of, Mark. Yeah, so oh. we had chapel once a week. Dang. Or Maybe we had it every day in college. I don't know. But the end of chapel, the back, it was like a balcony. You know, like sure. like here where there's a balcony, but it, the the things you know that correlate you pull him back or whatever, and there was this big sign that said, like, will you accept <gasps> our mission or something oh like that.
1: Oh, my gosh. It was, he was quite He creative. was, like, way before his time. I mean, this yeah. is what the kids are doing yeah, these when, days yeah. on, like, when you TikTok prom, and Instagram yeah. and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but wow. he was, he was what, good like, at that. That's amazing. Well, it worked. Well, it worked. It worked. Bam, it worked. bam there you go. Way nice. before his time. 37 years later, here we Did are. Did
0: you ever yes. make a mixtape for a boy? And, and, and what kind of... I'm really fascinated to know what song high school Karina would have used to express emotion. I
1: was so emo, so it would have been like, um, like own mode? English, melt into you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something, the Cure, oh, for sure. Oh, sure, sure. Everything The Cure. It's
0: Friday, I'm in love.
1: You guys are speaking a
2: foreign language.
0: You know, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Uh, it kind yeah, of new wave pop. To, uh, Bjork. Oh. I mean, yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. Bjork so, actually has some nice love songs. Come on. Sh- sure. Yeah. But she's
0: su- just super weird. She's
1: weird, but I love her. Yeah, oh, sure. I yeah. get it. Okay. okay. Okay.
2: Speaking of sure, that's the name of the mic. I see it. Yes. It
0: hey, uh, well, I'm here in the studio. Lisa Avril, Karina Gerard, ladies, welcome. So glad to have you both. You're here talking about um, a, a, a moment in Jesus's ministry. It's kind of a, I would say it's a famous one. Yeah. A lot of people, even if you're not Christian, have known this one. It's a story of Jesus in the storm and he calms the storm. Before we get going, just as background, because I'm, I'm I'm interested, what's the worst weather you guys have ever been trapped in or been in?
1: Uh, yesterday. <laughs> but
0: it has no, been, no, crazy no. Weather, been crazy weather, hasn't it? It's been crazy. It's been
1: crazy. Yeah. I, I, I live on 17, which is a death trap. No, you so. live over 17. Yeah. You
0: don't live on the highway. Let's be precise with our language.
1: <laughs> I actually live but under- But a good
2: story. Uh, I, I live I under 17.
0: One. I'm a troll with That's some billy right. Colts.
2: <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> uh, no, but no. you live
0: in scotts valley so yeah. you've had to deal with a lot of a lot weather of
1: flooding a lot of trees and down.
0: fire before fire,
1: that fire yeah. fire flood yeah in the We're words of james taylor
0: i've seen fire i've seen rain <laughs>
1: that's awesome uh yeah no before this i lived in florida which is uh you know renowned for our hurricanes so you ever,
0: you ever been in a hur- been in a hurricane
1: oh yeah absolutely oh and before that i lived in in texas so
0: oh a lot of hurricanes you know
1: when you come from a place that has hurricanes literally if you're a resident you're like if the wind's under 100 we're fine we're not even putting on shutters. 100 miles per hour 100 miles per hour you're not even putting on shutters you're like whatever no bigs but um this last one that happened in florida in august that that was intense and and the locals kind of waited oh but you weren't there i wasn't there oh i see but i have been there for for a four category four and Had to go into a shelter, and we were without electricity for probably two weeks. What does a shelter?
0: What do you mean, like a local high school? Did you go in? It was a high
1: school, and Mm. I was actually a high school teacher. I was uh, nine months pregnant and oh uh, no, yeah, yeah.
0: Nine yeah. months pregnant in a shelter in during a, shelter, a hurricane.
2: Only a you hurricane. would have delivered then with my oh, bunny.
1: I had my bunny rabbit with me. Me oh. and my bunny <laughs> in my classroom. Sebastian had been um, hired by some wealthy people to fly their personal jet out of the area. Oh wow! So during he, the he, storm, he left <laughs> he me. Didn't, he didn't <laughs> take you. He, no. We're, because you're not supposed to fly when you're that much oh, yeah, yeah, you couldn't. So I was like, I'm just gonna stay in my high school. See you later, bro. So me oh, and. Oh wow. Me and Bunny, we just hung uh, together. <laughs> I'm together. assuming that was that was your first child. That was the first child, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you uh, lived to have a second. There
2: you go. If he lived to have a second.
0: There you <laughs> go. I'm not sure. He flew away. <laughs> I'm getting true. out of here. He uh, yeah. What about you, Lisa? What's the worst weather you've ever been in?
2: Okay, so you know what's so sad about this, Dave? I can't remember what I had for breakfast. So <laughs> quite frankly, like a couple weeks ago when we had the big storm that we were all a part of and electricity out and stuff, I was sitting... In the, uh, my office at Westgate, and I have a huge window, and all of a sudden I see this tree like making its way across the parking lot. The wind was so bad, and this tree had just uproot and was like <laughs> blowing across the, the parking lot. And so uh, there were a few of us in the office, and they were all like, "Hey, are we going to go home? Because the power is going to go out, and, and you know something bad's going to happen." I'm like. Okay, I'm a campus pastor. I should be calm. <laughs> I'm like, I think we're going to be okay, guys. It's going to be all right. And then as I'm sitting in my office, like the wind is blowing against um, the window that I literally am fearful it's going to shatter. shatter. And yeah. I'm going to die. And they all would say, you know what, Lisa? We suggested that maybe we should all go home. <laughs> but no, you tried to be the cool, oh, calm, yeah. and collected. <laughs> so... Is Anyhow, that, is that we when didn't you said, go home. It's time to
1: panic! I know. <laughs> it's time to panic! Did you see there's I this know. video of a couch blowing <laughs> off of a balcony in San Francisco? Oh, okay. It just blows straight off the balcony and like down the street in oh, San Francisco. That's not good. That no. could hurt somebody. And it was like a high story. It was like 20th floor. Oh, Can oh, no. you imagine you're goodness. walking down the sidewalk and a couch flies... Hopefully like, past you. Oh, yeah. wow. Not wicked Witch That's, of the West. Yeah. Boom!
0: Well, there's yeah. all those videos like in Santa Cruz... Um, Or in the mountains, like PG&E was like doing some work in this. There was so much water, so much moisture, so much rain. It like washed away all the soil over the tree roots. And then they get top heavy because the trees drink all the water and it sucks it up into the top. And it literally was like sliding down the hill like it was snowboarding the tree. Oh, that's awesome. It was pretty funny. But not. (laughs)
2: Not Okay. you. But
0: not. Oh, I was in a blizzard in 97. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was my first blizzard that I remember. Mm -hmm. I was in... It hit the Midwest. It was pretty bad. It was a it was a big blizzard. I remember driving in a. I was just <laughs> I was working for the Fort Wayne News Sentinel mm. as a sports reporter. I wanted to be a sports journalist, so I was covering high school I basketball. Yeah. I, I was trying. That. I was covering high school basketball in Indiana. So I was driving to all these little Indiana gyms in Not Fort the Wayne. Hoosiers. Well, that's what it is because it's a religion in Indiana, yeah, and and they're very good at it. it's they very are. fun. It's like it's like you know Hawaii and mm-hmm. volleyball. Yeah, It's like everybody plays, everybody knows. It's just like a thing. Yeah. Uh, except more so. Hmm. And so I'm driving around these like, little tournaments and it was, it I was, it was so, I was driving in like a 1987
1: Honda Prelude. Oh, <laughs> did, there you right, go. It did not
0: have chains. Yeah. It was not four wheel drive.
1: So you were ice skating. Yeah, I think I was behind it.
0: You couldn't see anything. I mean, it was. I'm like, what was I doing (laughs) trying to get to, like, DeKalb's gym or something stupid? Anyway.
2: I remember living in Portland. We'd get freezing rain, and that was super scary because it just hits your windshield, and you just can't see Yeah, So that's pretty frightening, too.
0: I think being in a blizzard is probably... I've never been in a hurry. Of course, I was in a tornado my senior year of college. Mm -hmm. But when I say in a tornado, it hit... You know how it is. It hit, like... Maybe a half mile away, but it was the eeriest weather I've ever seen. Like the yeah. sky was literally green, yeah. and then hail comes down, mm, wow. like the size of golf balls, and then it—it's ju- the weirdest thing. Hmm. The s- the sky is green, mm, and wow. you're like, "This is weird. That this is weird." Is really- <laughs> but it, I didn't see it. I didn't. It wasn't yeah. really near, so I don't yeah. know if that. But really weather
1: counts. can inspire terror. It can absolutely, yeah. and that brings it's us segway. to the text.
0: Excellent job, <laughs> Karina. Always bringing us back to the Bible and yes. back Thank uh, you in you. the story in Matthew. Um, well, it was interesting? So, I want to start with this because the the way that Matthew describes the storm is that this is intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I looked it up. Is it interesting the the way that Matthew uses is he did, uh, uses the Greek words mega mm-hmm. and seismos, yeah, which is like seismos is like an earthquake. Only it's on a lake, so a mega earthquake on the on the sea on the lake. Yeah. So this is and these are Galileans who have spent a good portion of their life on the lake or at least some of them Mm -hmm, and so if there's anyone who knows galilee the sea of galilee and actual weather conditions it's them and they're freaked out yeah so i think that that kind of reveals something about the size of the storm Mm -hmm. um so as you were kind of encountering that did that did that stand let that's kind of the first place to start did that stand out to you like the the actual size of the storm
2: yeah for sure and also that it was sudden Right? Like, I wonder what does sudden, like, look like. Yes. Did it just, like, whip up out of nowhere? Or yeah.
0: What else stood out to you as atypical in this story? Because there's quite a few. It's not just that the size of the storm, but the reaction. And then Jesus' reaction also is a little surprising. Number one, they're freaked out. Number two, Jesus is sleeping. Like, talk to me about how you guys, like, what, what you, when you were looking at this passage, why do you think Matthew includes this, and what, what are we supposed to get from that?
1: Yeah, so um, for myself, I love the the way that this opens here. It says, they got into, or he got into a boat, and the disciples followed him. Mm-hmm. And I think that this intentionally connects with the previous verse that, uh, Tish, you covered at our South Hills campus last week. It says, Jesus told him, follow me now, and then verse 23 His disciples followed him. And it's the same phrase that you see over and over, especially in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Follow me. And the disciples drop their nets, and they follow him. And he just has this pretty hard conversation with these guys about the cost of following him, where probably a number of people are like, no, I'm good. Thanks. Bye. Um, (laughs) But these disciples choose to follow him. So they are following him. So maybe there's a sense of excitement, like, okay, we think this guy is probably the Messiah. He just, like, Sermon on the Mount, amazing. He just did all these miracles, amazing. Now we're going to follow him. And he was pretty forthright, like, okay, following me is not going to be that easy, right? I don't have a place to sleep. I don't have, like, stuff. This isn't going to include, like, fame and glory. But the the cost of following him is actually going to be, like— even more frighteningly high. You know, it's like we're following you. And right as we like commit ourselves to following you, like no matter what the cost, there's this really terrifying storm. As I was reading this, I was kind of thinking back to other displays of God over nature, specifically water, which, of course, reminds us of God's miracle of the Red Sea. Mm. But what I thought was really fascinating is in Exodus chapter 14, the people follow Moses out into the wilderness, and he brings them right on the edge of the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army is coming to get them. Mm. And the people start to grumble out, and they're like, what have you done yeah, to gonna us? Yeah, we're going to die here. Why did you make us leave Egypt? Did you just bring us out here to die? Mm-hmm. And I honestly I feel like this is kind of the same question oh, these thing. disciples yeah. are like yeah. asking like okay, you said follow you. We're following mm-hmm. you and you you brought us out into the middle of the water to like die? Mm-hmm. Like what are you doing right now? And then of course God displays his his power by splitting the Red Sea, and Jesus will display his power by calming the storm. But it's it's almost as if, and it's in fact, it's interesting, in that Exodus passage, the Lord says, why are you crying out to me? And it's kind of the same response mm-hmm. we're about to see in Jesus. He's like, w- why are you freaking out? Mm-hmm. Like, I just showed you I'm with you. I just performed 10 amazing miracles. Why would you doubt me now? Are you
0: talking about like... Exodus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And then Jesus is like, I just performed a billion miracles. Why don't you trust me? It's almost like an echo... This like Exodus fourteen story mm. is like happening again in in a way with this new exodus of people. yeah.
0: Mm. well, let me ask a question to that because um, there was a German theologian who I looked up. His name was Gunther Borkman, and his study of the stilling of the storm was really instructive for 20th century scholars. He says that Matthew's primary purpose in including the story into it, is uh to remind the church about the cost of discipleship, what you just said mm-hmm. on the heels of these two other stories. And the conversation between Jesus and his two potential followers uh, in in the verses right before sets up the boat, which he calls a prophetic image. Uh, he calls it the little ship of the church in the in the wave. So he kind of looks at it like an almost like a, a macro narrative allegory. But then other people are like, actually, yeah, you' that's interesting. But the focus is really on Jesus' authority as the Messiah because he stills it. And so, like, I, I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. Um, but as you kind of read it, you, Lisa, you seem to be more uh, drawn toward the authority of Jesus, that he's actually the Messiah. Uh, is is that is that fair to say that that part of it more drew you a little bit more?
2: Well, I think for me, I think we often see this passage as more about Jesus, you know, will calm the storm and he'll be there in our problems, which is true, but it's more about what our circumstance is. And for me, I just want to flip the narrative that we look at who Jesus is in this from the beginning of when he gets on the boat first, right? So he knows where he's leading them. They, they're following, yes. Um, he's sleeping. Well, what's that about, right? And then they come and wake him up and his first response is not to calm the sea, but is in essence to say, hey... Oh, ye of little faith. Like, again, why should you not fear? And then he calms the storm, and in such a way that they've never seen that before. They've seen him heal people, but not with nature. So then there's that awe and amazement. So I feel like if we can have a realistic view of who he is, it won't matter what storm we're in.
0: Well, that's what happens at the end. They, they're amazed, and of course, they would. Have, who is this man? Who is yeah. this man who even the storm's in the wind and the sea of yeah. So they'll eventually come to that. It, it does feel a little unfair that Jesus comes out and pretty harsh. Oh, he calls him. um I was I was reading this um where where is it?
1: Theetos. Yeah. He, he uses the like the minuscule version of the adjective. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, the revised. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little, little, yeah. And he says, "I was looking at the revised English Bible, and they translate it. Why are you such cowards?" Mm, Yeah, (laughs) uh, which I (laughs) that seems a little unfair. Uh, They're in a giant storm; it's really scary. Jesus hasn't demonstrated that he can stop it. It seems, it it seems a little unfair. Do you think it's unfair when you read read this narrative where you're like, that seems a bit hard, or do you read harshness into Jesus's? Or is it just kind of like an older brother, like kind of teasing his younger brother, like "Hey, little, hey, hey, you moron, get over here." Or how do you read it's Because it's hard to read tone and context into mm-hmm. Jesus's words. How do you process that? Is it a bit of a rebuke? Is it more of a comfort? Is it a comfort rebuke? Is it a big brother? Is it a, is it a playful? Is it not playful? Like what's going on here? As you re- as you read it,
1: hmm. I, I personally, I think he's correcting them. I think Jesus obviously has the perfect skill to correct someone with great love and gentleness, but also expose the truth. And I think he's been trying to demonstrate up to now that he has authority over all things and that he's inviting them to follow him and that following him costs something. Um, And yeah, when the storm kicks up, the truth is revealed that they actually don't really believe and trust that he is who he seems to be.
0: Hmm.
2: And I also feel like part of it is, you know, they came to him, which was great, right? Like, Lord save us. They said what they was They said happening. Lord. They woke him up, right? Right, but then they said, and, and I think in Mark, it's like, don't you know we're drowning, kind of like... So they made an assumption already. What was happening? Oh, and I think
0: in this text it says we're dead or we're dying, right? We're drowning. We're going, we're, going,
2: we're going, to, drown. going
1: to
0: drown. Yeah. So yeah. there's. You, so maybe they're overestimating. So it's not that they're not in trouble. It's that
1: they're catastrophizing. Oh
0: yeah. yes, yes, yes. But oh. don't we all? I mean, I think we all Oh about, man. I was sitting home the other day
2: because I had a cold, and it was again a, a stormy day out, and I was. I, we have sliding glass doors, and I just remember actually thinking wow this is just a little storm but imagine literally if I was on the boat I would do the exact same thing I don't think I have the wherewithal and maybe even if Jesus was there now they didn't have the knowledge of who he was that we do now right Right. so yeah. they were hoping, or that they, they will thinking, a little later yeah th- they'll, they'll, they'll get some. there they're just not there yet yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think Karina to your point that's a lot of the grace, yeah. you know, and yeah. God's compassion with us in oh ye have little faith. That it wasn't oh ye have no faith. Um, so they showed faith, but then they made an assumption, and I think that's what we do. Yeah, we see something for what it is, and we automatically jump to worst case scenario. Yeah, and so if only we could pause, and um, like I remember, you used to. I have asked you about this where your spiritual director had this line for you when things come up, and it's like oh. Lord, this is looks like a tricky situation. What are you going to do about this? You know, we don't think to ask that. We just declare what is going to happen. And so, I think that's a real key part of this passage as well.
0: Huh, that's really interesting. Yeah, because it does feel like f- there. Okay, there's fear all over here. There's tons of fear, and and I'm trying. I was just trying to access the story. Like when I'm really afraid, mm-hmm. my imagination turns off. Mm-hmm. I only can see the bad thing. And I can only see
1: See, my imagination turns on, but like total worst case. Scenario. No, that's what I mean. It's like my imagination I've got for a cold, good. Yeah. you know, like <laughs> never Google like any of your Web symptoms. MD. <laughs> it's
0: <right>. cancer. <laughs> right. Oh, no. You're for I've sure
1: going to die. You know, it's like that's where my imagination goes is like my yeah. mind already has lived out the worst case scenario yeah. in my mind.
0: I've got sniffles. I Googled it on WebMD, and I'm sure I have ovarian cancer now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and or I
2: think for some of us, I don't have do, ovaries. That's, that's why it's funny. That, that, that is funny. Anyway. But I think for others of us, too, we just become paralyzed. Sure, like We don't know what to do. We yeah. just stop.
0: And- that's good. What I meant by my imagination for hope, my uh, my, yes. my good imagination. It's mm-hmm. it's only, like you said, catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. I think that there's that. And so you think that's the rebuke. Because they do call him Lord. They do, mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that. Like, what are they supposed to do? Like, Peter's like, well, Jesus told us to follow him, so let's all take a nap. <laughs> like, right. that would almost be, like, uh, irresponsible. Sailors know what they have. They have to lower the sails. They have to put out the anchor or whatever. I don't know. I well,
1: think. I think it's the posture with which they approach him. Uh It's not like with with a a calmness or a certitude. It's with full-blown panic. So I think the invitation is... Avoid full blown. I
0: love that. Avoid full blown panic.
1: Yeah, and in some ways, I mean, in all
2: fairness to them, I I have a feeling they did a lot to get things under control. Sure. Before all this happened, before they cried out to him, which is like us too. Right. We don't think to cry out to him first. We're going to do everything we can, and then out of panic because it's not working for us, then we go
0: to God. What's interesting is he's used that term. Um, I forget where. uh, In Matthew six thirty, he uses the term "little faith." I was. I was wondering if there's a connection between that. I was going to read that. I should I should have had it ready. I'm sorry. But he uses that exact term in Matthew 6, uh, 30, um, earlier in the story. Oh,
1: yeah. God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith?
0: And it's about worry because he's yeah. talking about worry and the birds of the air and such. So maybe this idea of worry and panic are tied, and Jesus is correcting us. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, can I ask you another question? That's it's it's on the borderline of weird. Oh
2: no. Okay. Sure. So and I don't know what Do to make. It. No, no. This is crazy strange. Those. Ask Rita.
0: No. Um, so the word that use Jesus uses that Matthew has Jesus using for rebuking the mm-hmm. storm is which is. Um, used in the other gospels. I was looking this up in Mark uh 125, Mark 925 and Luke 441 in terms of exorcisms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He rebukes evil spirits. It
1: mm-hmm. is it is you said it was strange the storm came on so suddenly and that this appears to be something
0: like a test. kind of
1: under otherworldly other, this yeah. mega seismos. Yeah. So I wonder if he's saying here that this is actually some sort of spiritual attack, not a test from Yahweh, but a, a right, sort of right. sp- spiritual attack.
0: That somehow the forces in nature are under the devil's power, and he's using them to scare the something. Is is there mm. is that implicated? When you th- read the story, did you think? Because when I think of a storm, I think purely natural. Mm. Like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I think, oh, it's bad weather. Mm. I don't think, oh, I wonder if Satan is. T- causing a torrent to, to test someone's faith. Do, uh, but in this story, there seems to be an edge of that implication. Did you think about... Because what's going to happen next is he's going to exercise some demons. So right. we're going to see Jesus' power over the supernatural realm. Did you see any link to the supernatural or devil realm?
2: Well, I think back to the... I believe in the story of Jonah. Um, yeah. When, right? Well, oh, that's
0: another storm. That's another narrative. Yeah.
2: All the people in the boat were like praying to their sea gods, you know, <laughs> and nothing was working. Yeah. And so I think... Um back in that time, that was a real thing yeah. for sure. Yeah, so yeah. maybe there's a correlation that way possibly yeah. too. I mean,
1: we just finished the whole unseen series here. I think there's a lot below the surface that we don't even understand right. what is really happening. So maybe Jesus is seeing something here that the disciples certainly did not perceive. But even us in reading it today, if it's using this word that seems to be tied to... A casting out spiritual powers, exorcisms. Yeah, then hmm. there could be it could, it be, could, so, very it could well, be a link. Yes. Yeah, hmm.
0: something that can. It, it was just at the edge of that. The edge of that's so strange for us hmm. modern people, right?
2: Could hmm. it also? I don't know. I'm just off the top of my head, kind of rebuking their thought to allow the enemy to have that kind of hold on them. Right, like oh, a rebuke that like when that? we're in a
0: state of panic, yeah. it's a faithless, yeah, and we're listening to the lies of the enemy because we did say in the unseen realm that the primary, uh, 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 the language, the weapon yes. of the of mm-hmm. the, our of our enemy of Satan is is lies, lies. Yeah. which yeah. is you're going to die. It's all going to be yeah. God's yeah. abandoned. you. Yes. Okay, let's let's move to the the pastoral because there's um there's some edges to this that are real. There are some folks I think probably, um, going through some storms. Yeah. And these storms look very scary. And I think the questions are the same. Am I all right? Am I going to make it to the other side? Are these going to overtake me? No. Is Jesus, is he with me? Is mm-hmm. he in the boat? Is he going to wake up? Mm-hmm. Do I matter? Um, is, am I, these are real questions that a lot of people have. And I think sometimes Jesus is saying to us modern people, oh, come on. You know, it's a little of that. And that could be fair. But there are other people I know just in the church and in, in your life and in the life of the church for whom there are real storms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just I would love for you guys to respond pastorally, um, just to those folks who are listening to this who when I say what are you afraid of, it's not some hypothetical. It's not some imagined, they're not they're not they're not being panicked because of their drumming up fear out of something. Mm. But this is real. There's a real concern. I'd love for you guys just to respond because you guys have sat with this and I think there's an invitation of Jesus for those folks who, Mm -hmm. who, when they think, what are you really afraid of? There's something real and it's very, it is important. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to those folks who are listening, our listeners who are, are dealing with, um, some real fear?
2: Well, I think for me, I would acknowledge that that's real, right? Like, and not try to have them somehow get out of that state. I mean, it's, it's a real place to be. I think, um, My heart would be to remind them who is in the boat with them and the truth of the reality that he is with you. Um, We're not guaranteed the outcome in this story. They made it to the other side. We may not make it to the other side. That person that we love may not make it through. Mm -hmm. Um, But can you imagine? For me, I can't imagine what it would be like to navigate those waters without Christ, without the knowledge that there's something bigger that I don't see, that God is still good, um, and that this is not... This is not the end, right? We're, we're living in a, the in between. Mm -hmm. Um, so helping them to see that, not everybody, you know, everybody's in different places in their faith to be able to see that, but it is the foundation with which I, the rock with which I stand on the anchor with which I have for myself.
0: Yeah. That Jesus is with us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good.
1: Yeah. I would just echo that. I think, um, honest lament is a good place to start, um, I think often in uh, Christian circles, we can have a tendency to want to skip everything that is painful or uncomfortable. And the reality is in this story, Jesus is sleeping, and that did not feel great for the disciples, for him to be sleeping in this um, moment of need. Um, And I think There's some really great sources for us throughout the book of Psalms Mm -hmm. where the psalmist is communicating these very same thoughts. God, where are you? Can you hear my cries? Are you going to intervene in my story? I think um, for us to always want to skip ahead to the silver lining and not just allow ourselves some moments of grieving and pain and sorrow is, is... I don't know that that's healthy for us as a people. So just honest lament, I think, is a, a good first step. But don't stay there. That's really unhealthy to just allow yourself to spiral down into despair. And the laments yeah. don't stay there either. Exactly. Yeah. Whenever you read it, it seems like David is like, you know, bipolar. One minute. How like, long, O oh Lord? How yeah. long, O oh Lord? But I And yet you. I trust. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But what he's doing is he's reminding himself, okay, this is true. But it's not the only thing that's true. What is also true is God has been faithful to me Mm -hmm. over and over again. And God is with me in every circumstance. Like, both are true. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. But what is also true is Jesus is with me in the boat. Like, Mm -hmm. Jesus is right here. Like, the presence of God. Like, Emmanuel, God with us, is right here in this boat with me. Mm -hmm. So I can speak the truth, the, the painful truth, but I can speak the hopeful, you know, proclamation of truth, that Emmanuel is with me, and even if I perish, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's like, even if I perish, I'm actually going to be okay, because Yahweh's got me. I mean, jo- jo- uh, Jesus says in John chapter 10, whoever is in the Father's hands cannot be snatched out. Like, I am unsnatchable. You can't get me. I'm mm-hmm. actually, I am safe. Mm-hmm. I'm safe. Yeah,
0: yeah. you ended... Um with that the image from Scott Erickson the artist of uh, a pair of hands and inside the hands are a storm and inside the storm is a boat mm-hmm. and and that was kind of a reflect what'd you call it, a not lectino divino but it was a visio visio d- divina, divina mm-hmm. like kind of a mental reflection on a piece of art or yeah. an image to remind folks that th- the storm is there but there's one who holds the storm and and I do. I love. Let's not move to panic. Let's not catastrophize. Mm-hmm. Let's t- let's take those panic thoughts, the catastrophe thoughts. Let's take those captive yeah. to the deeper truths, mm-hmm. which are that God's with us. Oh man, there's probably more we could say. Uh, uh, this was super fun. Thank you uh, guys for for being here with us. Thank you for marching through this. This is a beautiful a beautiful passage, mm-hmm. and uh, a little convicting because um, you know, there's a little bit of a there's some edge here to uh, our unfaith. Mm. Are li- I don't want to be Little Faith. I want to be yeah. maybe a little... Mega,
1: mega Faith. Ooh, right. Mega oh. Storm Little Faith <laughs> instead.
0: Hey. Le- have Mega Faith. Yeah, that's yeah. be good. Yeah. Yeah. Mega Pistis. Yeah, and that sounds like a...
1: It's uh, my it's hard like rock, rock band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on my next mixtape. That's right. Mega Pistis. <laughs> <laughs> Screamo.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. That's fun. All right, that's well, thank great. you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank and you, and we'll see you soon. All right. Just want to say thanks to Lisa and Karina for stopping by. Guy, it was awesome hanging out with you guys. Thanks so much for stopping by. Join us next week where we talk about the it's I think is it the last it's the last week before Easter if you can believe it. Here we are and we're going to be talking about Jesus healing the demon-possessed man. So that'll be next week so join us there and uh yep, we'll talk to you guys soon.